0: Government 101 Budget So these episodes, it's my government and politics episodes, okay. And so I'm not going to have a guest on. I'm just going to talk to you about a particular aspect of our government, and I'm going to go through the mechanics of it as best that I as I can, um, not BS you. And so we're going to talk about the federal budget process. And one of the reasons why I actually wanted to do this is because of the House, last Friday, passing the Inflation Reduction Act, which it was done under budget reconciliation. And that is a part of the budget of the federal budget process. So I thought, well, since, um, you know, actually, I talked about that last week. Let's talk about the actual federal budget process itself. So. um Welcome back to topless government and we're going to talk about the federal budget process. So as I mentioned just a few seconds ago, um, the house and Senate completed its work on HR 5376, the inflation reduction act of 2022. So I thought it would be the perfect time to go into I think, for a lot of folks, one of the driest areas of our government. But this dry area of government keeps our government running. Um, It starts the process of of appropriations. So it's time to talk about the federal budget process. So I started learning about the federal budget process when I was taking graduate-level courses at um in congressional studies at the legislative studies institute so when i was at the legislative studies institute we had a lot of great guest speakers and one particular guest speaker was stan collander he was called the budget guy so he came in and talked to us about the federal budget process now stanley collander wrote many books he wrote many editions of the book entitled the guide to the federal budget and he was also working for a lot of different firms here in washington dc and he was actually a writer with with usa today now unfortunately um he died on may 3rd 2019 and I'm 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 really really sad about that because Mr. Colander made you know the budget process, federal budget process, sound easy. I mean, he is probably a handful of folks that have worked on the House and Senate Budget Committees. Not a lot of people can say that here in town, and he fully understood it, and which boggled my mind because some of this stuff is just i mean it's archaic and it's you know it's it's terrifying <clears throat> and it's kind of it's technical in nature but i want to make it fun for you because you know learning about the federal budget process will help you because if you are wanting to advocate on behalf of a particular federal government program you should learn about how the federal budget process works and how it operates. So the process starts when the president submits his budget requests for the new fiscal year. So in this instance, you know, president Joe Biden submitted his budget requests earlier this year for fiscal year, 2023 Um, under the congressional budget act of 1974. You're supposed to submit it the first Monday of February. Unfortunately, that doesn't normally take place. But um, when it does, it, it, it helps smooth the process, okay? So once the president submits his budget request for that fiscal year, it is an outline of his priorities. And hopefully one day, her priorities but I digress. So the president submits his budget request. It's transmitted to the Hill, to Capitol Hill. And it's, it's DOA it's, it's dead on arrival. Um, But each member of Congress does come through the budget request. So it's the president's budget request. And normally each, well, each agency will provide a budget in brief, to summarize their priorities for the different federal agencies. They also provide congressional justification because they have to justify their budget request to the House and Senate Appropriations Committees. And so that's what they do. So each agency is required to do that. And each member of Congress and their staffs, they comb through it to see, you know, what is it, what's aligning with their priorities, on the committees that they sit on. So once this is done, the house and Senate budget committee will start doing legislative hearings on the president's budget request. (coughs) excuse me. And each cabinet level uh, secretary comes up to Capitol Hill and they testify in front of these committees, Um, the, the authorizing committees and also the appropriation committees, as well as the budget committee. So this process normally takes a few weeks, but then, you know, it gets to the point where the House and Senate budget committees have to come together in order to put out a budget resolution. A budget resolution does not, is not enforceable by law. It is an internal guideline for the House and Senate, and it provides them with a top line number so they can begin the appropriation process for that fiscal year. So the budget resolution, for me, when I worked on Capitol Hill, I hated it. I'm not going to lie. I hated the budget resolution. And the reason why I hated it, because the voteramas. I mean, you would be in the office all day, all night, through the night. And also try figuring out what amendments were going to be offered by other members. Now, I can give you an example of what took place when I worked on the Senate side. So we would always have to try and find out what amendments were being offered, especially with regards to if it pertained to an issue in my portfolio that I had to cover for my boss. Nine times out of 10, I couldn't find out the amendment. And I would have to physically walk over to the basement of the Capitol and get the amendment. But at some point they started doing it electronically, but trying to keep track of all of these amendments as these votes are actually stacked. And I mean, these are back to back votes on amendments. And then you have to put together vote recommendations for your boss. That is time consuming, but you have to get it done in real time. And so with the budget resolution and the voter You know, once that is all done, each committee, authorizing committee, actually has to come up with a number of cuts that have to be made if they choose to keep certain programs. Because with the budget resolution, it's about deficits. And also, at some point, like after, um, well, President Clinton, he had a budget surplus, which actually caused a lot of consternation because folks were not used to having budget surpluses. We always ran deficits. So we're actually back into deficit spending. So the budget resolution, you have to figure out ways to bring down the deficit by cutting a program. But if you wanted to plus up a program, you had to provide an offset. So in in all of that, you know, it's very, very complicated. And again, I'll tell you, there are a lot of not a lot of people in this town don't have the expertise or wherewithal when it comes to this. And there are a handful. And like I said earlier, Stan Collander was one of those handful of people who understood this inside and out. And so remember, there's authorization and appropriations. Authorization of appropriations is authorizing funding for a particular federal program. Appropriations actually appropriates the money for that particular program to be enacted. Now, supposedly, you're supposed to not have an unauthorized program. So if you don't have a program, if it's not authorized, and if the authorization has expired, Technically, you're you're not that program is not supposed to be running. You're not supposed to provide it any appropriated dollars. Well, guess what? Nah, no, 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 that's not the case. There are a lot of unauthorized programs running around in, in the federal government, and I can tell you, there were several particular senators that would go down on the Senate floor and rail, and one of them in particular, God rest his soul the late Senator John McCain, Republican from Arizona. He would always go down on the floor of the Senate and say, this is an unauthorized program. It needs to be authorized. It needs to be authorized before it can be appropriated. And he would always talk about pork barrel spending. He was a budget hawk. He was a deficit hawk. And so it would just drive him nuts. So one of the things that I had to do when I was on Capitol Hill was that we would have to go through the budget and we would have to look at programs my boss wanted cut. And so that was always a very difficult thing because a lot of these programs have strong supporters. And if you cut a program, trust me, a particular group who benefits from that program is going to come after you. And it's not pretty. But I can tell you the budget process is an important process because if the budget process is not done you can't you can't go through appropriations um of late in the one hundred and seventeenth Congress that we're in now um for twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two I have to honestly tell you, in the second session of this Congress, Congress did not put forward a budget resolution. And so they basically, no, I take that back in order to do to, to pass the American rescue plan, which helped with the pandemic. They wanted to do it on a budget reconciliation. So they had to do the budget resolution in order to get to the budget reconciliation. So, The budget resolution, again, is a guideline, and it provides you with a top-line number on how much money can be spent, can be appropriated for that fiscal year alone. And last year, the president didn't submit his budget request too late. I mean, like May. And that wrecked havoc. And so the appropriations committees couldn't start They started working on it, but they had to make amendments to the top line number, which wrecks havoc. And then also take on account, on top of that, Congress decided to reinstitute congressional earmarks, or they're known as community project funding in the House. And on the Senate side is congressionally directed spending items. So this is very, very important to people because now, as everybody knows, under the Constitution, Congress has the power of the purse, not the executive branch. The legislative branch has the power of the purse. So it's their responsibility to ensure that your government continues to function, to operate. Now, I'll tell you this. <clears throat> the, House completed, the House Appropriations Committee completed its work on the FY, the fiscal year 2023 appropriations. They passed six bills, appropriation bills. They haven't passed the last six. So when they get back from their district work period, which will be September 6th, They're going to have to complete their work. If they don't, we're going to be in a world of trouble because, as you know, the current fiscal year, fiscal year 22 that we're in, it expires on September 30th. And October 1st is the beginning of the new fiscal year. So the House and Senate, they have to complete their work before the new fiscal year. And um, having talked to staff, some folks whose members are uh, on House and Senate Appropriations Committee, they have told me that there's going to be a continuing resolution. And what I mean by that is a continuing resolution continues to fund the federal government at previous fiscal year levels. That's going to wreck havoc because essentially that's going to be a cut to programs. So if they don't complete their work, if they do a continuing resolution, it may be a short-term continuing resolution, or it may be a long-term. I have heard um, that the House Freedom Caucus has written a letter to Republican leadership basically telling them no, they don't want any agreement when it comes to the FY 2023 appropriations. They don't want any agreement whatsoever. They, want it to be punt to the 118th Congress. And as everybody knows, we're in midterm elections, congressional elections. So we don't know what the outcome is going to be. But again, (coughs) excuse me, House Freedom Caucus members who are very conservative, fiscally conservative and socially conservative, they don't want their leadership to make any deals whatsoever. So, It is my hope that the House Democratic leadership gets the remaining six appropriation bills completed. Now, on the Senate side, on July 28th, the Senate Appropriations Committee released its 12 bills, but they have not completed the committee work. And what I mean by that, it goes to subcommittee first, where normally there are no amendments offered to change the bill. They wait until full committee markup in order to offer amendments to make changes to the bill. So with that said, we don't know when the Senate is going to even complete its work. One of the things that I do know, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, the Democrat from New York, has said that he wants to do the National Defense Authorization Act when they get back. And I also believe that he wants to do a bill on marriage equality. And so we're trying to wait and see what the legislative schedule is going to be once the Senate returns from its state work period. But again, you know, they only have a few legislative days left because, again, I'm going to bring it up, midterm congressional elections. Members of the House and Senate want to leave and go back to their congressional districts and states to campaign because November 8th is when everybody votes. That's election day. And so this is going to be very, very interesting to see whether or not if they can get things done before October 1st, if they can't, they're going to have to do a short-term congressional uh, resolution, a CR as we call it here inside the beltway. But also take into consideration, once they get back from, um, from campaigning and from the elections, um, the period between November 8th and January 3rd is lame duck. And January 3rd is when they will reconvene for a new Congress, which will be the 118th Congress. So just think about that. Lame duck. So should they be able to get something done during lame duck? Listen to these scenarios. If House Republicans flip the House, what do you think is going to happen? I think the House Democratic leadership is going to make sure that they get the six remaining bills done and they force the Senate's hand and get it done. And I think ultimately what might happen like it happened last year is that they'll do a consolidated appropriations act, which will encompass all the bills. And what we affectionately call that an omnibus bill. And so should that happen, excuse me, they're going to need a continued resolution um, to make sure that they get that work done. So all of this that I'm explaining to you is very, very important because this is the budget process. And this is something that everyone should be aware of and they should understand the process. And there are a lot of different, um, you know, papers that you can, you can find out additional information. Um, I've stated this before, congress.gov, uh, the Library of Congress, they have the Congressional Research Service. That's the research arm of Congress. But now everyone has access to these reports. So there are a lot of different CRS reports that you can see and read. And one of them is um, the CRS report entitled the executive budget process and overview CRS report, introduction to the federal budget process, a CRS report, the budget resolution and the Senate's automatic discharge process. And then also again, the the guide to the federal budget uh, for fiscal year 2000 by Stanley E. Collender. This will help you out a lot. And then there's one, Congressional um, Research Service report that you should look into, and it's entitled The Role of the President in the Budget Development in Brief. Now, some of these reports may be lengthy. Some may be brief, um, like maybe a couple of pages, but I think um, they'll help you out a lot to just give you an overview, you know, a 101 look at how, you know, the federal budget process works. So I hope that you know in this episode that i've been able to just convey to you what and how this process works how it works and i mean it's it's cumbersome in nation in nature it really really is it's rather dry but just think about this i mean just think about if you're advocating for housing programs within the department of housing and urban development because um You know, recently, the National uh, Realtors Association, they came out and said that we're in a housing recession. We have a housing shortage. So just think about all those um, programs, housing programs in HUD, and how you can affect, you know, the outcomes of these programs and the dollars that are being utilized for competitive grants, you know, for cities, counties, states, nonprofits, to help out everybody. Just think about that for a moment. So I I, I say this to you in all sincerity. The federal budget process is very, very important. And I think learning more about it will help you become a better voter, better, better citizen. And, you know, I've said this before. I want you to become a citizen legislator. That's what I want you to do. I want you to hold the power of the government in your hands. This is your government. You pay for the operation of your government through taxes. This is your taxpayer dollars at work. So you should know what the president submits to Congress in his president's budget request. You should know how the House and Senate perceive certain priorities in their budget resolution. You should also take note of the House and Senate Appropriations Committees and particularly community project funding and congressionally directed spending items. Just think about that. That's money that could come back to you, to an organization that you support, to your state, to your local government. This is going to help you in your everyday life. And then also think about the Budget Committee. You know, and, and, and just think about the deficits that we're, like we're, we're in right now. Now, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act is supposed to reduce our deficit, our federal deficit, tremendously. It's supposed to. But also take this into consideration. Since President Biden and Vice President Harris have been in office, they have reduced the deficit tremendously. But we need to reduce it more and we need to get into a budget uh, surplus. Because deficit spending is not a good thing. And I will tell you this, continue resolutions are not either because they disrupt the federal budget process. They disrupt states and localities getting the formula dollars for highways, for buses. Just think about the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that was passed last year and all of that money coming in for broadband, for wastewater facilities, just you name it. I mean, if the appropriations is not there for these programs, those programs are going to, it's going to take a while for that money to flow out. And this is over a five-year period. And then also take into consideration a lot of um, the programs within the Inflation Reduction Act, Those are direct appropriations. They're not authorization of appropriations. They are direct appropriations coming out of the treasury, your taxpayer dollars being spent. So again, I really hope that you take the time to read some of these congressional research reports or even, you know, read, you know, some of, um, articles out of the Washington Post. I'm not gonna say the New York Times because the New York Times is kind of, I don't know, they've gone a little sideways on their reporting. Um, but I would just look at look at some of the newspapers, some magazines, you know, that you're comfortable with to learn more. But I really hope that you go on Congress.gov and check out the Congressional Research Service because it's nonpartisan. They lay out the facts, and I think you will get a better understanding of how the federal budget process works and how it funds your government. So with that note, I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I hope you continue to join me to learn more about how your government works. Because remember, this is topless government. I want to blow the top off how your government works. Thank you. <music>